Lord, we be in a, a posture of receiving from you now. In the next few moments here, would you open our spiritual eyes? Would you open our, our hearts and our souls to, to your presence, to what you're doing, to the work that you have for us this morning, in this moment? Thank you that you are meeting with us here. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may take a seat. We're continuing on this morning. And Maria is Hi. bringing the word this morning. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, Gav. Um, I actually just wanted to read you something this morning. Many of you uh, who have been here longer than a couple years, probably third and fourth years or, or longer, would know James's parents. They actually came here in their 60s uh, a, a couple years ago. Oh, not in the 60s. In their 60s. Isn't that what I said? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. They, their age was 60. Uh, it was not in the 60s. Uh, anyways, she, they are in Cascar with us, and they have been praying for you guys for the time that we are here. And she sent me something this morning, and I just want to read it to you before I get started. It says, uh, currently praying. She said, what's coming is silence. That silence is needed. Let it sit let them sit in it. Give him room to speak, to move, to allow the spirit to open their eyes, their ears, and their hearts. They want to hear but don't know how to listen and how to rest in it, how to wait and how to receive. So before we get started, I want everyone to stand up for a second. We're going to posture ourselves in a way to get rid of the distractions of, I understand your students and you probably came from classes and you think about all the homework you have to do this afternoon before you have to come back here and all the things. So we're just going to take a moment. So I'm going to put your hands out like this. I know it's weird. It's fine. We're going to posture ourselves in the way to say, God, we're going to take a moment and get rid of all that sin. We're ready to receive. Let's just give ourselves a second to, to declutter our minds and be ready to receive this morning what his word is for us. God, we just pray this morning that you will speak, that we will be ready to hear and to do something with what we hear. God, I pray that your presence would be here this morning and that we would hear from you. In your name, amen. You may sit down. Not that you need my permission because you are adults. So you got to hear from, I said yesterday, and I mean it, my better half, uh, my hubby, my love, um, and we love each other. We are very passionate, though, and so we also butt heads a lot. It's been a journey. It's been a good journey. <laughs> right, honey? It's been a great journey. Uh, and I get to, I'll just take two seconds because he got to, so I'm going to talk to you about my kids. Um, so you guys all know Tanisha. She's amazing. Most of you know Tanisha. She's amazing. We love her. I don't need to say much about her. If you don't know her, ask anyone who's been here longer than a year, and they'll be able to tell you about Tanisha. Uh, Stu. Stu is our wild card. We love him. And anyone who's been here a long time would know him. Some of your profs would know him. He was here. God has brought him on a journey, and we are so proud of what God has brought him through from where he was to where he is today. He is this amazing young man with deep convictions that is trying to understand the Lord. So thankful for him. 
My next one is Paige. She is my 17-year-old, just got her license, loves the Lord, plans on being here in a year and a half. Uh, for two reasons, one, to know Jesus, and two, to find her husband. So if you are in two years or younger, I'll be doing interviews this afternoon for prospects. You would hate that I said that. Um, but she's been pretty open that these are her plans. I want to hear Jesus's plan for my life, and I want to meet my husband. So uh, I feel like it's okay for me to say it. My youngest, our youngest, is 14 and a half, and she is our wild child. She is just this ball of energy, but such deep conviction. At five years old, she like marched into our living room, and she said, God has told me something. And I said, oh, okay. And she paced for an hour, back and forth, through our living room and declared the gospel to me. There is a deep conviction in her. So excited for the next generation. It has been on our hearts. We lead pastor, co-lead pastor in Castlegar currently, uh, but our hearts are for the next generation. Not the next generation, for the generation. The generation that, that has the zeal, that has the passion for the Lord. The older we get, and we're not that old yet, but feel, I'm feeling older, that energy and that passion becomes harder to hold on to. And so our desire is that you guys would find a ways to stay connected to that passion. That the worries and the burdens that is ministry wouldn't take you away from it wouldn't remove the, the calling that God has put in you, the reason why you're here, that you would stay connected, that you would stay connected. James talked about uh, chapter 14 yesterday. Let's just recap two main things. And he gave you guys some homework first. He talked about, we need to follow the Lord's commandments. Jesus told them, uh, if you love me, follow my commands, follow my commands. The second thing he says, but you can't do it on your own. So I'm gonna leave you the Holy Spirit. To think you can do it without the Holy Spirit is naive and arrogant. You cannot. That is what Jesus declares to them. What commands did James talk about that he wanted you to take some homework is, is, what, what, is what is that barrier between me and the Lord? What has caused a separation between the Lord and myself, specifically in what do I need to forgive, what organizations, what people, all of those things that have put this jadedness maybe in my heart that have separated me from the Lord? And also, what are the sins? What are the things that, that shouldn't be there that I need to remove? And he gave you that homework. This morning, we're jumping into chapter 15. I just want to remind us who Jesus is talking to here. He's talking to his disciples. There may be other people listening, but you hear when he talks about you're no longer servants and you are my friends and I love you. There's this intimacy with the people he's talking about. So we can assume that the context is really primarily for the disciples. These are the ministers of the gospel. These are the people that, that Christ is going to entrust the church to. These are the leaders. That's who he is talking to. He's talking to you guys. For those in the room who say, well, I'm actually not going into ministry. I'm here because I'm here for counseling. I'm here because I'm here for nonprofit. You are wrong. If you are here, it means God has put something in you that says you need more, that he has something more for you. Whatever context that might look at, you will be pastoring. You will be ministering. You will be ministers of the gospel. You are the leaders of the church. 
My prayer is that many of you will have that deep passion and understanding that pastoring the local church, that there is nothing more beautiful than that. And those of you who are going into other fields, well, I hope God's with you too. So let's look at our passage this morning and let's unpack what the Lord has for us. John chapter 15, verse 1 says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and withers. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, I I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Let's just pause for a moment. Jesus is saying that I have things for you to do. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to have joy while you do them. We talk a lot about ministry and the tough. And we're going to get there in the next couple sessions of what does that really look like. But even in the midst of that, that God's saying, I'm giving you the recipe so that you will still have joy while you do the hard. Let's continue on in verse 12. This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You do not choose me, but I choose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that your fruit should remain so that whenever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. This morning, we are going to talk about what does it mean to be connected to the vine and be a fruit-bearing tree? What does it actually mean to be a plant that has life? I am, uh, like I said, a bit older now than I used to be. Um, That sounds obvious, and it is. I'm going to move this just in case it goes off because that'll be distracting. Um, There was this tradition, though, in like the 80s and 90s, and many of you wouldn't know, but your profs who are listening will understand this, that the whole stage and every every ledge in a building would be covered with fake plants. It's a weird tradition to me. And even as a kid, I thought it was really odd. You want to know why I thought it was odd? Because we have all of these things around that look like life but aren't. And that seemed like a really weird thing for church. 
I don't know why, maybe it was where my brain went, but it just seemed like a weird thing for a place that is supposed to be the, the real source of life. We had all these things that just looked like life. They looked a lot like this, okay? And if I had the budget for it and I didn't, I would have bought you all one so you could bring it home. Remember me for the rest of your life. They looked a lot like this, but a lot bigger. They had them everywhere. It's a very interesting thing, and I couldn't understand it until I became older. All of a sudden, now my life is filled with kids and dogs. We pastor a church. I also sit on city council. I am also a fellow student with you. I, with the Lord's grace, will graduate in April. I have been working. Oh, thank you. Yes. It has been a long journey, and it has been a hard journey because my life is full. It's really full. And sometimes I feel like, why am I doing this? I don't understand why I'm doing this. Like, why, Lord? But it's because the Lord told me to. Years ago, he said, no, I want you to do it. I want you to finish. He said, but it doesn't, I can do all this without it. So like, what's the point? And he said, because I've asked you to. Great. So it has been a slug. It was just about a month, less than a month ago when I looked at James and said, I can't do this. And I, I can't. He's like, you seriously have three courses left. Like, I can't, I can't do it. My life is full. But all of a sudden, the understanding of what it means to have a fake plant has made sense. Why? Because I want things that look green in my house. I want it to look good and like there's life. But I don't have time or energy to keep it alive. My kids will know this. Do not buy me something that is a plant because I will kill it. If you cannot tell me you need food and water, I will not remember to food and water you just doesn't happen. My dogs will whine at me. I'm like, oh, you must need something. My kids will say, hey, I'm hungry. I, okay, yeah, I need to feed you. A plant doesn't tell you anything until one day you look over and you're like, oh, you're dead. How did that happen? But flake plants become something I understand as an adult. Here's the thing about being fake plant though. From a distance, it looks great. Look, it is pretty. There's no brown on it. There's no holes in the leaves. It takes a lot less work to keep this looking good. Every once in a while, maybe I need to dust it. Although again, in the 80s and 90s, they didn't get dusted either. Right? It looks good from a distance. Here's the problem. Here's the problem with the fake plant. The closer you get and the more you inspect, you start to see that these little like leaf things will probably pop off if I just pull them because they're not a real leaf, but I can put it back on. Can I? Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> now it has one left leaf. Uh, right? As you get closer, you start to realize, wait, that's counterfeit. That's not actual life. You know what else a fake plant can't do? A fake plant can't actually produce fruit. It can look like it produced fruit. I actually spent time in Michael's yesterday trying to find a grapevine plant that was fake. And they all looked too fake that I'm like, this is not going to work for the, for the illustration. So, but a fake plant can't produce real fruit. It can even look like it has fruit. It can have fake fruit, but it can't produce real fruit. It can't. You know what else happens to a fake plant? is that when you water and you put real soil 
and you put it in sunlight, all the things that plants normally need, you know what happens to a fake plant? It gets moldy and smelly and discolored. The things that are meant to bring life will actually ruin it. What does this mean about our spiritual lives? Is that sometimes it seems much easier to look good than to do the work. Sometimes it's much easier to say, okay, I just want to look like I have a good ministry. I want to have all the procedures and all of the programs. I want to have all the organization, all the things that I can control in my own strength. I want all of those in a line. That's what I want because it's going to look good. I'm going to get a lot of, you did a great job. That was amazing sermon that was so eloquently spoken and laid out. The worship the lights, the mood, everything sounded great. Wow, you've built a great nonprofit. You've got all your papers in line and all your structure there. And it makes you feel good for a moment. But then when someone needs what it's actually supposed to produce, there's nothing there. See, because God has called you, just like he was talking to the disciples, to produce fruit. Fruit has a purpose to it. What is the purpose of producing fruit? Fruit brings nourishment and sustenance to someone's life. You are the branch and God is producing fruit in you. That fruit isn't actually for you. That fruit is for the people that God has called you to minister to. God has called you to minister to. When you are a fake plant, people who know the Lord, who are more mature believers than you, are going to do what they're supposed to do for you. They're going to come and they're going to try to disciple you. They're going to try to teach you. Then sometimes they're going to lovingly rebuke you. And if you don't have real life, you know what it's going to do? It's going to make you moldy and smelly and discolored. It's going to become really clear that you're not actually real. That your faith is not actually real. It looks like it is, but it's not. But it's not. Our lives are to produce fruit for a purpose. God is calling you into ministry because he wants to produce something in you that has nothing to do with you. It's for everyone else. He says, I love you. Love others how I have loved you. What I see in Christ's life is he said, I'm willing to lay it all down for the sake of my father and his will. Remember, my joy complete in you, in the midst of laying it all down for the sake of my Father's will. Fruit is for those around you. Now, more than likely, majority in this room have a real plant. You have been attached at some point, maybe not at this moment, to the vine. Right? The picture is is that the stalk is God the Father, and Jesus is the vine that comes off of that. And the Holy Spirit is that glue that glues your branch now into the vine. But God said, right? Jesus said, I'm leaving you a counselor that will give you access to me and my Father. 
So we've got this plant, right? And we've got the main stalk that is Jesus. And then we've got us that are these little vines that come off of it. The little shoots, the little branches. And when you're young and you become uh, into your faith and God has put this passion in you and this calling in you, there's this excitement in you for what God's going to do. Is anyone here excited the first time, the first day they came to Summit uh, for what God was going to do through their lives? Come on, really? There's two of you? Is anyone excited that first day of like, this is going to be amazing. There is going to be amazing things that come from my life. God is going to use me to change the world. Right? It's good. His passion is great. So you're connected to the vine and you're, you've got this zeal and you're, you're pursuing him and there's an excitement in this faith journey. But over time, you become really aware that the vine is there, but really life gets busy and you're like, look, I've got fruit in my life. Like I'm doing well. I've got this fruit. It's good. And my time is getting busier. And God, I have things to do for you. So what I can get rid of is maybe the amount of time I spend with you. Because there's no way I can do all the other things you want me to do and still fit you in there. So then what we do is we take ourselves and we detach ourselves from the vine. Because we think we're good. Right? We've got fruit on us. We're like, I'm good. The Lord has done things in my life. I am seeing the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I am good. We detach ourselves often with good intentions of, I have things to do for you, God. And I need time to do them. So I'm going to go and I'm going to do them. It's great. But remember, ministry, and God has called you to ministry. You love Jesus? Guess what? He's called you to ministry. He's called you to love others. Here's what happens when you start to do things for the Lord and that's what he's called you to do is that someone comes along and they need a little love. Well, you're supposed to catch it. It's okay. You can, everyone got it? Catch the grapes. Okay, don't eat them, but catch them. Someone else comes along and they, they need a little patience. You guys are not good catchers. Maybe it's I'm a bad thrower. Okay, are you ready? Okay, I'm going to throw it at you. Are you ready? It's okay. We got this. Someone comes and they, they need a little self-control. I'm just, that was me. That was all me. I'm sorry. That was all, that was all my throwing. And then you get those people, we call them uh, ECGs. They're called extra grace Christians. They take a lot out of you. Okay. And they need a lot of fruit from you. Catch them, Graham. Oh, you all caught one. Then someone comes along and you throw it at them. Are you ready? Okay, catch it. Good job. Okay, yeah, no, you're supposed to throw it back. Throw it back. That's actually a big deal because I don't catch things. Someone comes and you throw it at them and they throw it back at you. You're like, wait, I gave you my fruit. I gave you what the Lord entrusted with me. How could you just not care about it and just give it back and you get a little more stingy with your fruit? Like, fine, I'm going to be a little more careful who I give my fruit to because I'm feeling like I got a little less of it. And if you don't cherish and appreciate 
what I am giving you, then I'm going to make sure you will. You know, and we're going to quote scriptures about it. Like the word says, do not throw your pearls before the swine. So I better not love you because I think you're not going to appreciate my love. So I become a little stingier with who I actually give my fruit to. And then as time goes on in ministry, because this is what will happen because broken people hurt you. Someone comes and they take your fruit and they throw it on the ground. And if I didn't care about the carpet, I would step on it. But I'm not going to, so pretend I am. And they squish what was so cherished to you. You're like, but God put that in me. He cared about me. And I just gave it to you. And you just threw it on the ground. And then you become even more stingy with your fruit. You become more careful with who actually gets this fruit out of you until all of a sudden someone comes at you and they genuinely need a little love. They just need you to be patient. They just need you to be kind. They're looking for the Lord. They're looking for Christ. They're looking for what he has for them. And they come to you because you are the minister of the gospel that they know. And you know what they get? They get poked with a stick. Sticks are not good for anything except if you're a kid and you have a sibling. They have no purpose. Maybe if you want to light a fire, but I'm pretty sure none of us want to just get thrown into a fire and be burned. So then you know what happens? One of two things happen at this point in your life, especially in ministry. One of two things happen. You realize maybe you're convicted by the Holy Spirit, him drawing, you hear him drawing you back to the vine saying, come back. You have no fruit because you're not connected to the vine. You can't do this anymore on your own. Come back, come back. And if you're wise, you will come back and you will reconnect to the vine and you will be one again. And then you will take time The Holy Spirit will graft you back in and you will take time growing fruit again. You will wait and you will have a season of growing and then you will have fruit again. And if you don't realize what happened the first time, you're going to do the whole thing again. I'm too busy. I got too much, God. Look, you have done something in my life. Now I'm ready to go do something for you again. And your intentions are well. You mean well, and you do the whole thing again. The other thing that can happen at that stage is you become disenfranchised with ministry and faith altogether. You become jaded. You know, God, I thought you moved. I thought you spoke to me in that moment. But look, look what it turned out to. So I obviously didn't hear from you. God, I thought you cared about me. I thought you loved me. But if you did, why is all this happening? Like, where's the fruit in that? I'm done. I'm done. I've seen it way too many times with people in ministry who you saw the calling of the Lord on. You saw God's prompting in their life and his direction. And there was tremendous fruit from their ministry. And then all of a sudden, It was gone and it was done and they were away from the Lord. 
because they didn't see what the real problem was. The real problem wasn't all the things that happened in ministry. The real problem was they detached themselves from the Lord, from the life giver, and they wondered why life started to dry up. They wondered why life started to dry up. Don't do it. I am begging you that when you start to feel like, wow, I'm a little bit prickly, evaluate where is my connection? Where is the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction? Because even when you stay connected to the vine, there's a few things that need to happen in order to produce fruit. One is plants have life cycles, right? They have producing cycles and they have dormant cycles. They have cycles of summer and winter. How long the season of winter is often depends on the climate and the environment that they're in. That cycle of dormancy is cycles of rest. There's an interesting thing, you guys have probably heard it, I'm sure, that uh, when God created the world, he worked for six days and rested on the seventh. He created man on the sixth, and the first thing he told him to do was rest with me. Before you do anything, just rest. Just rest with me. Cycles of rest in your life make you feel when you're young and you're passionate and you have zeal, make you feel guilty because I should be doing more for the Lord. But the importance of having moments and times of rest is what keeps you connected to the vine and able to produce fruit. James and I don't do this well. No, shouldn't say that. We didn't do this well. Uh, We are both very, like I said, passionate, full-on people. We don't sit still well. And so in ministry, we were gung-ho. We were 24-7 all the time because you know what? It was our job to save people. I mean, you don't say it, but really we feel like it, right? Because God has put a desire and a healthy desire in you to reach people for the gospel. And that turns into, that's my job then to save them. And so, you know, when you get the phone call of someone needs something from you and it is their crisis and you're like, well, of course I got to go. We have to go. Like what, you can't not go. But then over time, there was always a crisis and you realize, but if I'm not there and I'm not, what are we going to do? And you start to realize, wow, if they've built their faith upon me, we've got a much bigger problem here. What have we done? This is not something we can carry on our own. And so God really convicted us of, of us of this. And so we have built in finish lines in our world. What does that look like? Because ministry is full on. I'm not telling you it's not. It is. A life that is sacrificial to the Lord is full on. It takes a lot out of you. It is constantly making a choice to say, you know what, God, who you've called me to is more important than myself over and over and over again. It doesn't take away that the Lord loves you, like he says in this passage, just like I have loved you, go and love others. But here's what we've learned to do. Fridays, every week is our finish line. It's our day off. We wake up in the morning, the kids go to school, we turn our phones off and we have the day together. Whatever happens on a Friday is not our problem. There's no emergency. 
There is no crisis. There is nothing that the Lord and someone else can't handle. We turn it off. We reconnect to each other and reconnect to God. It has been life-giving for us. Sunday nights is our time with our kids. Our phones go off. No one gets us. Now, for some reason, something gets scheduled there. We move it to a different night that week. The other thing we've done is we have twice a year that we have a finish line that is built in. One is in the summertime with our kids. We take time off. We leave our team to do whatever. If the church falls apart, again, the Lord can fix it. We take time with them. No one needs to get a hold of us. Everything gets turned off. We disengage. It actually does two things. One, it reminds other people that we're not Christ. The second thing it does is it reminds us we're not Christ. The other finish line we have is right after we leave here, often in January, James and I take a week with built into our contract with our board. They know we're gone for a week. Don't talk to us. Don't message us. Figure it out yourselves. We are off for a week, just the two of us. Keeps our marriage healthy because guess what? As we tell a joke with our kids that James says that I am the only one he chose. Did you get that? In our house, he only chose me. We got to have to have our kids. But, and then the kids jokingly said, well, you chose Stuart and Tanisha. I'm like, well, I guess we did. Uh, <laughs> probably causing some kind of grief in my children and thinking that I love other people more than them. Anyways. But we do, we reconnect because why our marriage is more important than our ministry. Some are, our kids are more important than our ministry because guess what? Christ is big. He can handle it. Being connected to the vine, having seasons of rest and dormancy is important. Because you know what happens when you give out fruit and you can't produce enough of it? You become burnt out. That is where burnout comes from. It says, I'm giving out more than the Lord is giving me. If God has not given it to you, then he's not asking you to do it. If you feel like I'm giving more than I have to give, well, then you know what? Maybe you need to go back to the vine and say, okay, what are actually the things you've asked me to do? And what are the things that I just want to do? And often those things that I want to do is because I want people to look at me. And there's a lot of pressure when you do things that I want people to look at me. A lot more than when you're quietly just handing out the fruit. Just saying, God, let me be a nourishment to others that you have put in my path. Let me be a nourishment to others that you put in my path. Being connected into the vine and the importance of it. My desire for you as students is that you would be connected to the vine, that you would produce fruit, that there would be fruit from your ministries, but you would remember that that fruit is a flow through from the Lord. There is nothing you can produce on your own strength, that the Holy Spirit's what's connected you to God and that God flows through and produces fruit in your life. And that fruit isn't so that you can look great. That fruit is to bring nourishment, to bring the gospel to those that God puts in your path. There's the last thing that this passage talks about when it talks about the vine. It talks about the pruning process. 
There's something that happens in trees, specifically uh, in fruit-bearing trees, is there's things called suckers. Anyone here know what a sucker is on a fruit-bearing tree? My dad gave me a two-hour lesson once as he was pruning a fruit tree on suckers. It's the only reason why I know. Suckers are these branches that grow off of another branch. Just like the fruit grows off like this, okay? Suckers are branches that grow off, but they don't produce fruit at all. You know what they actually do? They grow above and towards the sun, and they take all of the nutrients, all of the water, and all of the sunlight, all the things that you need to produce healthy, good fruit, they pull it all away. If you don't prune off the suckers, you will have discolored and small and almost useless and less fruit. James talked a bit about it last night, about this idea of what's in your life that is barriers between you and the Lord. I would add a little bit onto that. What have you allowed to be there that is sucking away the nutrients and the life, the water, all the things that the Lord wants you to have so that you could produce fruit? What are the suckers in your life? And I'm not gonna give you a list of them because I think the Holy Spirit's big enough to tell you what they are yourselves. I think the Holy Spirit is big enough to tell you what they are yourselves. I'm going to add a couple things for you to do before tonight. I'm really excited about tonight. We are going to, we actually don't totally know what the format's going to look like. We've kind of got an idea and we've been praying about it. We really want to spend some time with the Lord in prayer, dealing with our hearts, dealing with our lives. So I'm going to add two things. I want you to do, I want you to take and I want you to think about before tonight. James talked about the sin in your life and the forgiveness you need to give. And I want you to think about these two things. One, am I connected to the vine? If I answer that question accurately, is it about me? Have I become a fake plant that I just wanted to look good? I want to say the right things and do the right things, but I've actually forgotten. I've forgotten what God actually called me to do. I've made it about what I want instead of what he wants. I'm not connected anymore. I'm feeling disconnected. Am I connected to the vine? That is question one. Question two is, what are the suckers I've allowed in my life? Hopefully those aren't the people you need to forgive because then it might be complicated. That was a joke, but that's okay. It wasn't very funny. (laughs) It came out. It was funnier in my head. It's fine. Um, But what are the suckers in your life, the things in your life that you've said, okay, you know what, that really needs to be pruned away because it's stopping me from producing the fruit that God intended me to. It's stopping the Lord from doing what he needs to do in my life. That might be many different things for you and they'd be much different than they would be for me. But what are the suckers in your life? I know you have a lot going on. I know you guys have busy, full schedules, but there's nothing more important than figuring out how do I stay connected to what God's asking me to do? Because as soon as you disconnect from that, the rest of it does not matter. It doesn't matter. Tonight, we're going to spend some time and we're going to deal with those things. So I encourage you to come prepared to deal with those things. With that, I'm going to pray over you. James and I are around. 
for two purposes. One, we'll be around at lunch. If you guys need to chat, you want to talk, you want to ask questions, we are here. We are present for you. Actually, on that note, tomorrow morning, unless the Lord directs us differently, the plan is to have some question and answer, period. So if you have questions about ministry, you have questions about life, we want to give you an opportunity to discuss those, to ask those, and let's have some dialogue. So put that in the back of your mind. But this afternoon, if you need to talk, we'll be here for lunch. We are here for you to walk you through things. There are some things that just seem too big. I promise you, in our life of ministry, you will not say anything that will shock us. We're here for you. The second thing, I will be taking interviews. Let me pray over you. God, I just thank you for these students that you have put a passion of ministry in their hearts. God, I pray that you will bring them back to that today. God, that you will show them the areas that they have disconnected from you. God, that you will show them the areas that are stealing the joy that you intended for them that are stealing the fruit that you want to produce. It's taking away all of the things. God, I pray that you would just give them clarity. And as Lorraine, James's mom, just prayed over them this morning, God, I just pray that they would take a moment of silence to hear from you today. That they would make that a priority to spend time to hear from you today. That they would come tonight expecting that you were going to do the miraculous. God, that we would come tonight expecting to see you do the miraculous. God, would you put an expectation in our hearts to see you show up tonight. I thank you for your love for us, that through that we can love others. God, I pray that we would do that well and we would be present with you. In your precious name, amen. Great. And are you, I don't know. I was like, I don't know where we go from here. Are you just, am I dismissing them? You're dismissed. Have a great lunch. <laughs>